0: Humboldt Last Week. I'm glad you're here. Check it out, Humboldt Last Week. My name is Miles Cochran. This right here is a way to hear some of the highlights from Humboldt's Last Week while you do stuff. Available where you get podcasts. Please do tell a friend, family member. If you like this, spread it like holiday cheer. Uh, If you hate it, spread it like norovirus. Please do connect at com or on Facebook. I've been appreciating the comments and messages there. That makes this thing better. Quick disclaimer, you'll likely find some explicit content here. A lot of appreciation goes out to our episode partners this week. They help make this thing possible. Please do support them. Mazzotti's in Old Town in Eureka and on the Plaza in Arcata. Delicious Italian food. Bongo Boy Studio. Find them at bongoboystudio.com. Primal Decor, Tattoo and Body Piercing Studio on Myrtle Avenue in Eureka. And Ferndale Music Company with Grammy Award winner Lori Lewis at the Old Steeple January 14th. Yeah, let's get into the first episode of the official winter season. The Fortuna High School football team won state. I'm sure you heard about that. They didn't even have to put Uncle Rico in the game. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. Parking lot at the high school in Fortuna was full that day. People watching a live stream at the championship together. Really sweet. They played and won down in Southern California. Afterward, the team went to Disneyland, got a big old parade when they got home. At the parade, according to Loco, a team captain said they dedicated their season to an injured teammate, and an assistant coach stressed to the fellas he didn't want this to be the most amazing thing they do in their lives. Paraphrasing, but he wants them to go on to be good people. So nice. It's been a good year for the Huskies. Girls soccer team also won the sectional title, so cheers to Fortuna. Well, the county put in a couple of those kiosks in Eureka so people could safely dispose of dirty needles. They're hoping that'll reduce the amount of nasty-ass needles out there on the street, right? The bins are part of a county program that also does needle exchange. That is, having drug users trade dirty needles for clean ones to, as they say, reduce disease, increase entry into treatment, and reduce overdose deaths. Along those same lines, I'm sure you've also heard of safe injection sites, legal safer places for people to do drugs hoping it'll lead to treatment well apparently the county board of supervisors are not into those safe injection sites for the moment Uh, according to channel 3 they signed a letter asking for the county to be removed from a bill to do a trial run for safe injection sites here And more from that Board of Supervisors meeting, AT&T spoke with them, and they're working on upgrades to prevent outages, like the ones we had a couple months ago, which they called the perfect storm. According to Loco, AT&T discussed better notification regarding outages, stuff like that. And even though there was a period of time where people could not call 911 here, Supervisor Rex Bone downplayed the seriousness of outages, saying it was mostly a matter of Facebook withdrawal. Uh... Anyway, Sheriff Hansel followed that up by saying we're lucky there wasn't a fire here at that same time because we wouldn't have been able to communicate with each other. Oh, hey, please do support episode partners Mazzotti's in Old Town in Eureka and on the Plaza in Arcade. They've been preparing delicious handcrafted lunch and dinner items in our community for over 30 years, using classic Italian recipes and offering tasty specialty items from steaks and seafood to soups, salads and sandwiches, plus pizzas and calzones. Their freshness and quality are second to none. Definitely visit Mazzotti's today. So as we get even closer to legal recreational weed in Humboldt, more talk of protecting the Humboldt brand. A lot of discussion about this topic is about potentially making Humboldt to weed what Napa is to wine. And part of that is helped by these California cannabis regulations making it so you can't pretend your product is from a place that it's not from. Case in point, there's a huge L.A. cannabis vape company calling themselves Humboldt, but spelling it H-M-B-L-D-T... Some consonant corner cutting Cannabis consonant corner cutting Well, according to Loco, these potential imposters Have changed their name to Dosist Hence the clever headline Cease and Dosist Anyway, uh, I think that's sitting better With folks here Authenticity is a humble virtue Hat tip to the sheriff's office Uh, They talked a guy into putting his rifle down Yeah, it happened over in McKinleyville after cops responded to a domestic disturbance. After they got him to put his rifle down, the suspect was taken in for elder abuse, among other charges. Dangerous stuff these officers respond to, so good work. I've seen a lot out there about the guy from Spain who went missing locally. A mountaineer who is working on a marijuana farm near Mad River. Brown hair, brown eyes, reddish beard. His name is Yvonne disappeared off 36 after an apparent mental health episode since then he's possibly been seen in eureka Arcata, or garberville but it's been well over a week since his last sighting so his family is offering up thousand bucks for info that leads to him Oh, yeah, they're doing this again. Remember, this holiday season, if you're in a jam and your designated driver falls through, you can always kind of, as a last resort, call Humboldt Towing for free rides. They'll also tow your vehicle. It's available through 6 a.m. on January 1st. And no, they won't tow you in your car to another party. You've got to be going home. Like I said, a last resort. So if your sober driver doesn't work out, remember Humboldt Towing. Pull them up on your phone. Give them a ring. They'll give you a free ride. They say anytime. Hey Big Thank You goes out to episode partners Bongo Boy Studio, local band Diggin' Dirt recently recorded there They say they make funk, rock, and reggae groove music behind the Redwood Curtain Looks like they've got a new EP in the works Diggin' Dirt, check them out and look into where they've been recording locally at bongoboystudio.com Some alleged creep from Fortuna, 29 years old, was arrested for trying to meet a 14-year-old for sex. Again, he's 29, she was 14. Quote from FPD here. Fortunately, in this case, an adult discovered the electronic communication that was taking place between the minor and this adult male stranger and was able to intervene. Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Maybe you saw this. Anonymously, somebody donated five grand worth of gift cards. Cops in Eureka were able to hand out $100 gift cards to unsuspecting randoms in Old Town Eureka. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that seriously makes me smile. Uh, According to Loco, people got all teary-eyed. Young families, an elderly grandma, homeless people. Thank you, anonymous donor, for reminding the world people like you exist. Seriously. it's awesome. Oh, this. Okay. Featured podcast comment comes from someone at KimKemp.com last week. After I replied to a comment talking about how appreciative I am of the podcast partners because they help keep this thing going, someone wrote, Go back to Hollywood, pretty boy. So uh, here I am broadcasting from L.A. I just uh, sulked on out of here. No, in all seriousness, I've lived in Humboldt for over a decade. I'm raising my daughter here. I love this place. I'm here to stay. Do this podcast because I love this place. Uh, I've actually only been to Southern California a couple times in Pretty Boy. guess I've been called worse things. Uh, a few years ago, I was taking terrible care of myself. I would have loved to have been called Pretty Boy then, so thank you. Anyway, uh, what I really want to say is thank you so much for listening, and I hope you don't mind if I hold off on the move to Hollywood. So, oftentimes, a life of crime will bite you in the ass. Just ask uh, the felon who allegedly ran from the cops and was eventually taken in by the help of APD's German shepherd, Baron, who bit the dude right on the criminal caboose in some bushes in McKinleyville. Guy was said to be violating parole and had a felony warrant. I love it when listeners support episode partners, including Primal Decor Tattoo and Body Piercing Studio on Myrtle Avenue in Eureka. Established in 1995, it is the longest-running tattoo and piercing shop in Humboldt. They're here to be a safe, fun place for piercings and tattoos, and their community-minded staff is always happy to help for high-quality, artistic work. That's Primal Decor Tattoo and Body Piercing Studio on Myrtle Avenue in Eureka. Humboldt Last Week. My name is Miles, and I'm talking with Time Standard reporter Will Houston. Thanks for coming on again, Will.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me again.
0: My pleasure. So there's been a lot of talk about this guy who reportedly shot a sheriff's officer at a dairy farm near Ferndale. What happened, Will?
1: So um, at a press conference on Monday, uh, Humboldt County Sheriff Billy Hansel kind of laid out the timeline and provided the information to uh, several members of the press. So Essentially, it was uh, just after midnight on Sunday, December 17th, out on the uh, 700 block of Capini Lane near the Capini Dairy Farm. And it's just kind of in the heart of the Ferndale Bottoms Dairy Farming area out there, just um, a little north, northeast of the city of Ferndale. And uh, they were called in uh, just after midnight uh, because of a disturbance that was out there. Um, so a deputy, her, her name was uh, Rosalie Freixis. Uh, or Phrixis, sorry if I mispronounced the name there, and then uh, Sergeant Gregory Mussin, uh right on the scene about 12.50 a.m., and when they got there, they saw this woman uh, coming out of the residence at the property, saying that she was being held against her will by someone, and uh, later on, Hansel was saying that that person was determined to be uh, Hugo Peral Aguirre, who is the, uh, the main suspect in this, and also later on that day, they determined that, uh, or in the investigation, they determined that uh, uh, Peral Aguirre had allegedly attempted to shoot the woman's boyfriend, um, who Peral Aguirre had previously known, but the relationship wasn't really clear, and what the motive was behind that initial shooting, uh, it was still under investigation, uh, according to Hansel. So, so what happened uh, is, the deputy and the sergeant, they found that uh, Paralaguirre was in a barn on the property and that he was armed so they drew their weapons and uh, when they approached the barn Paralaguire allegedly fired a shot from a 12-gauge shotgun and that hit uh, Deputy Phrixis um, in the left shoulder right above her bulletproof vest and it was a non-fatal wound so the officers returned fire and later it was determined that Paralaguirre was hit three times during that uh, return fire the two deputies grabbed the woman who was at the scene, pulled her aside, and then they called for backup, and there was a uh, countywide response to that as well. So um, later on in the investigation, the sheriff's office SWAT team came to the scene, and around 3.45, they found Perala Aguirre in a downstairs bedroom, and uh, he refused to cooperate and come out, and then when the SWAT team went in to arrest him, he resisted, but um, he eventually was arrested, and... uh, brought to the hospital. He had three gunshot wounds, uh, all non-life-threatening, and he was booked into the, the jail later that day. And uh, also the sheriff's deputy who was uh, injured was also treated and uh, released that day as well. So, Sheriff Honfo had mentioned, though, that uh, the uh, shot from the 12-gauge shotgun uh, that hit the deputy, uh, he said it was very lucky that It didn't hit her and uh, maybe a few inches in another direction where it could have potentially been fatal. He just said we were very fortunate that a deputy was not killed during this.
0: Absolutely. I mean, her being shot, you know, in the shoulder and then the suspect being shot three times and still able to make a recovery. Did you have any indication as to where the suspect was shot?
1: No, they didn't provide that information yet, so... uh we can hopefully provide that sometime soon if there's an update. The incident being was res- uh, investigated by the multi-agency Humboldt County Critical Incident Response Team. So,
0: mm, okay. Well, uh, has Sheriff Hansel indicated whether or not he feels his officers followed protocol here?
1: Yeah, he was saying they did a uh, outstanding job. Uh, let's see here. I got the quotes here, and then uh, he said essentially what they did after the deputy was shot. They went to cover, and they also work to protect the female the woman who was at the scene um and uh he said they reacted exactly like they were supposed to do exactly as they were trained to do uh and said they displayed considerable courage and was thankful that one of his deputies did not get killed so the
0: suspect uh he's from mexico that's been another thing that's been talked about here he is in the country illegally um apparently he has a criminal record is that right
1: yeah, according to Hansel. So, uh, Sheriff Hansel, uh, during the press conference on Monday stated that, uh, uh, is a Mexican national who is in the country illegally. Um, he does have family in the Ferndale area. And, um, why he was at the dairy farm that day, he, uh, Hansel was saying that Paralaguire was not associated with the dairy farm, uh, where this incident took place. But he had been previously arrested in Humboldt County in 2008 for a uh, misdemeanor assault and battery charge. And uh, he pleaded, Paraguay uh, pleaded uh, no contest to that um, shortly after being arrested and Hansel said he was eventually transferred to a federal prison and left the country voluntarily at the time. Then there was uh, another incident where um, Guide was deported in 2015 but Hansel didn't really provide much detail on that and we've already reached out to the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency to see whether or not they can provide more information on what led to that deportation. Hansel said he doesn't know when uh, Guide re-entered the country. There was another case in the court system saying that, uh, was, uh, stopped for a, uh, uh, traffic violation infraction back in March 2016. Found to be driving without a license and, uh, he made, uh, there's just a couple minor traffic violations for that. So, not sure if that's an indication at all. Um, but yeah, this uh, his citizenship is uh, was uh, mentioned and has led to this story going on a national platform. There's some sites, of course, like Breitbart that have been linking to it, and they, of course, have their own uh, stance and or rhetoric on that as well. Just given the national conversation on immigration, uh, given the Trump administration's policies on this or, or views.
0: Gotcha. Well. I've seen this become a bit of a talking point. Yeah, you mentioned Breitbart. I also saw it on a website called The Goldwater, which has kind of maybe some alt-right leanings. Um, Have you heard any indication from the sheriff's office on if they feel more undocumented citizens are being arrested here for serious crimes or if this was more of a rare occurrence?
1: Uh, Sheriff Hansel did not mention that at all during the press conference. That wasn't even a a talking point for him. He uh, just mentioned... Uh, Palavagiri's, uh, immigration status, uh, his previous criminal record, and, and left it at that. And, um, I know obviously there is that national conversation. Their incident echoes slightly to the, uh, Catherine Steinle shooting down in San Francisco in 2015, where an illegal immigrant had entered the country and had fatally shot her, but he was actually, uh, eventually acquitted for that recently. So this is obviously that his immigration status causes the story to, uh, go out to much wider audience, uh, for some, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you were at the suspect's court appearance, and clearly he'd been shot three times. I'm sure he wasn't uh, looking in, you know, athletic fashion in any way. Uh, how was he looking?
1: I walked into the courthouse and actually saw the uh, bailiff uh, wheeling him in. He was in a wheelchair uh, dressed in the uh, orange jail jumpsuit. And uh, when they brought him into the courtroom, he was rubbing his eyes. He just seemed really tired or I don't know if it was boredom or not or, uh, but he seemed to be more tired and obviously being shot three times could probably be pretty wearing. So that's what I imagine. But he was relatively calm and, and, uh, just listened to the whole hearing and, uh, he spoke through a court interpreter and, um, yeah, so just was relatively calm. So how did he plead? He pleaded not guilty to, uh, four felony charges, which were uh, two counts of attempted murder, one for uh, allegedly shooting the sheriff's deputy, the other for uh, allegedly attempting to shoot at the, the woman's uh, boyfriend uh, that same night at the dairy farm, and then also a uh, false imprisonment charge, as well as an assault on a peace officer charge, and his bail was set at $1.1 million by uh, Judge Bruce Watson. Wow.
0: Uh, you had mentioned that he had family members in Ferndale. Did you see if they were in attendance there?
1: Um, I did not know if they, those, the family members were in attendance there. Um, I did see there were, uh, two women in the courtroom, but, uh, it's unclear whether or not what their relation is to, uh, uh And who's representing him? Uh, right now it's the public defender's office. Uh, Luke Brownfield, uh, was, uh, the deputy public defender in the courtroom, but, um, his uh, representation might change. Um, uh, he's got a couple court dates coming up, one on December 28th for an intervention hearing. And then on uh, January 3rd, I believe is his preliminary hearing, which will determine whether or not there's enough evidence to uh, hold the uh, on the charges and be tried for them. So those dates might change though.
0: Okay. Representation from the public defender's office. They're not busy or dealing with any changes in their office. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're going to be, uh, yeah, there's uh, under the new interim director, uh, Caleb Cochram, He's trying to put everything together and trying to make it work as before. So, yeah, we'll see. Right. Hey, well, uh, Will, is there anything else you wanted to mention about this? Um, obviously, there's this, uh, the talk about the citizenship, and, and then there's also California Sanctuary State uh, laws that were just recently passed, which is part of this. And, and Sheriff Hansel had brought that up at Monday's press conference. Essentially, how this case will progress in terms of... Uh, that may be federal immigration involvement. Uh, so um, the Trust Act, which was passed in uh, 2013, it prohibits state and local law enforcement from holding people longer than 48 hours for federal immigration agents. And then this year, uh, Governor Brown signed a bill making California a sanctuary state, meaning that it will prohibit state and local law enforcement agencies from using its personnel or funding to uh, hold questions uh to provide information about people uh with federal immigration agents. So um, unless those people though are convicted of serious or violent crimes, um, and there's a list of them that are laid out in the uh the Trust Act. So uh what Hansel had indicated is that it will be up to the Superior Court to, uh, provide a holding order for the felony charges, essentially allowing Paralagire to be turned over to the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And I've reached out to the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, uh, known as ICE, uh, seeing if they are planning to file a warrant for his arrest. And I haven't heard a response yet, but we'll definitely update that when we're here. But Hansel said they're focused on getting the criminal charges filed and not to the District Attorney's Office, which happened on Wednesday, so. That's their side of it, essentially. Whether or not ICE is going to come in and file a warrant will be up to them. So,
0: Gotcha. Well, we'll keep an eye on the Time Standard to check out any sort of uh, new information on that. Thanks again, Will, for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. And, yeah, we'll be following the case. So uh, anyone who wants to uh, check in on it can go to uh, So, Good deal. Awesome. Thanks, Will.
0: All right, thanks, love Happy a holiday. And a sincere thank you goes out to episode partners, Ferndale Music Company, with Grammy Award winner Lori Lewis playing at the Old Steeple January 14th.
1: Won't you come down, down to town now? Good times for me and you.
0: Forget the latest album with their band, The Right Hands, was Grammy-nominated. Relics Magazine says she's long been a purveyor of some of the most artful and sophisticated folk and bluegrass music. That is Lori Lewis in The Right Hands, the Old Steeple in Ferndale January 14th. Tickets at Ferndale music Company.com. Hey, please do connect If you have any comments or ideas or messages Anything like that You can go to HumboldtLastWeek.com and connect in all the ways Also, head over to HumboldtLastWeek.com For new music, there's a fresh playlist With the new season, including um, And not limited to Making Movies Bad Sounds and Leif Erickson Are you soft Again, that's at HumboldtLastWeek.com. Just click on New Music. You can find that whole new playlist. Once again, thanks to episode partners Mazzotti's in Old Town in Eureka and on the Plaza and Arcata. Quality Italian food. Bongo Boy Studio. Record that masterpiece. Find them at bongoboystudio.com. Primal Decor Tattoo and Body Piercing Studio on Myrtle Avenue in Eureka. And Ferndale Music Company with Lori Lewis playing at the Old Steeple January 14th. Sending out all the happiness and cheer to you throughout the holidays. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Humble. Last. Week.